looking at the last uh, couple of weeks about fathering nations. And it's so important that we grasp this because, and when I say fathering, I don't mean a gender thing, okay? I don't mean that this is just for men. Um, There is a gender dynamic to it in some respects, but fathering or being fathers in Scripture is really a metaphor for maturity. So there, there, there are mothers mentioned. Deborah said, I arose a mother in Israel. We'll look at that um, as we, we go on in these studies. Um, that side of it, the, the, the mothering side, if you like. But when I say fathering nations, I mean we're all called to do that. Because what it really means is it's a call to maturity. And in Yahweh's mind, we're already fathers to our nations. He will allow for our immaturity, but calls us out of it. Quite a lot of stuff we've been listening to lately has been said the same theme. I was listening to a video last night, and the chap was saying, you know, there was a, a prophetic message about what was coming to the nations. And that the case he was speaking about to America, but we know it's coming to all the nations. And um, the the thing that he was saying is coming is that the unvaccinated folks are going to be targeted. Um, but he was saying we can pray this off. And that's what he was saying. A lot of these prophetic messages we're hearing, particularly doom and gloom ones, they're not written in stone. They're there as warnings. And he says, if we don't pray off, they'll come. They're, that's the certainty. But if we do pray off, then they might not come or they won't come depending on your faith level. And that's the key thing. But as he said, you're going to have to pray, which really means you're going to have to be mature and be fathers to our nations, is how I'm putting it here. Um, God is perfectly patient. He will let generations come and go till we get the revelation of who we are meant to be. And when we get that revelation and step out in it and make decrees, and when I say pray, I'm not talking about, oh Lord, help us. I'm talking about making decree-type prayers, knowing who we are in Christ. And maturity comes from revelation because when we discover who we are, we see that we're, we see who we are. That makes sense. So when we discover who we really are, underneath all the, the mess, we all have mess, don't we? psychobabble, baggage, you name it. But underneath all that, there's a perfect Jesus in us and we are as he is. So it's stripping us of of all the carnality and the nonsense um, and stuff like that and then discovering when we do that, we're just like him. Uh, Religion tells us you've got to do stuff to be like him, but reality is that we are like him. So that's why the Bible says renew your mind because the mind is part of your soul and when you deal with your soul, you deal with your body, you then, Jesus can express himself through us, manifest through us. So revelation is a divine shortcut to destiny because you have to find out who you are. Uh, and it has to be revealed to you by the Spirit of God. And it, that can happen at, uh, through great preaching like this. Amen? Amen. <laughs> but it can also happen as you spend time with God and open up your heart to him and he will speak to you. You'll learn far more in times like that than you ever will from a teacher. So revelation is the teleos portal. That 
Greek word teleos means the place of perfection or full-grown maturity. Revelation is the portal to that. The more it's revealed to you. I don't mean the more information you get. I lecture at Bible college, but it's not about, I keep telling students, it's not about information, it's about impartation and revelation. If it's just facts so they can pass an exam, they won't grow spiritually. They might pass an exam, but that's all they'll do. Okay? You can stand there with your funny mortar hat on and your degree and your black robes, but that, that doesn't make you anything spiritually. Okay? So, the portal that God opens up for us is revelation, and it always leads to full-grown fatherhood or maturity. And that's what I want to talk about tonight is maturity. Um, if we go to Galatians chapter 4, there's something in there that shows us what I'm speaking about. Okay? Galatians chapter 4. We'll look at a few scriptures tonight. But I'm talking about being fathers to our nations. I'm talking about being people that take responsibility for nations. It's not just, oh well, if I can make it through the scandemic, the pandemic, whatever we call it, if I can make it through intact, that's good enough for me. But that's not enough. Because if you are a father, you want to take your family with you. And I'm not talking here about natural families, I'm talking about us saying that we're here on the earth, not just to escape things by the skin of our teeth, but to take others with us. You know, Moses was already out of Egypt, and he was already in the wilderness, but he had to go back to Egypt, and then back into the wilderness, so he could take a people out. And God, I believe, wants us to take people with us. Amen? need to be open to that because that's God's purpose for us. Galatians chapter 4. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he is master of all. What he's saying here is this, is that the heir of a great house or the heir of a kingdom or the heir of a business, you know, like uh, a Rockefeller or someone like that, somebody who has a name and their, their father... Their family is very wealthy, very powerful, but they're born into that house. Like, like a Prince William. Prince William is not king. He's an heir though, isn't he? Or it could be someone in business. The heir of a great estate. Now, when they are children, they don't differ from slaves. They don't have any status other than being heirs. But in other words, they don't get, they don't get handed the keys of the kingdom when they're four years old or 14 years old. So in other words, they, they just live like ordinary people. But when they mature, you know, my, my children have been blessed to have quite well-off grandparents on both sides. So they stand in here, they've already got bonds and stuff like that. And, and you know, when the time comes, they'll be well-off. And that's wonderful. But they're not walking in it now. We're not saying to them, now there's that money, because we know what Hector would do. Am I right? Make a beeline for the comic store. Yeah? And he, he might even walk in and buy the comic store, but he'll not be selling any comics to make money. 
So we don't give responsibility and we don't give great wealth and power and authority to heirs, do we, when they're children? Because they have to mature first. They have to mature first. And that's what I believe the Lord's telling us tonight. He has power. He has authority. He has dominion for saints of God, for the remnant people of God. For anybody who's a Christian, who's a born-again believer, and who's managed to keep themselves free from, free from the V. Yeah? He has power and authority and great responsibility for us as remnant saints, but he expects maturity before he can really release the fullness of that. We, we speak quite a bit in our eyes about um, walking in the fullness. And we spoke a lot about it here, transitioning to the kingdom age. Pastor Terry over in, in Oregon and other remnant leaders that I've heard saying the same thing, picking it up in the spirit that God wants us to walk in a dimension and a realm of fullness where signs, wonders, miracles, um, and every level, not just healings and great things like that, but, but um, provision. In fact, the, the guy I was listening to last night, I think that somebody was having a dream or visions about um, the remnant saints having supernatural provision, sitting down, for example, to pray a meal with empty plates, thanking God, looking down and there's food on the plates. Walking in that level of supernatural supply. Okay? And I'm sure you ladies would love that because there's no prep. Amen? Uh, you may have to clean up the plates at the end, but the men will help you over that. All right? <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying? Is that we can expect to be pressing into things. Cam speaks a lot about translocation or, or trans, uh, what's, it, what's the word? You know the one, the one I mean? Supernatural, being taken from one place Translated. to another. Translated. Or translocated. Mm -hmm. So that you're standing here in Glasgow and then all of a sudden you're maybe in London or Sydney or, you understand? Because God is, now that, that's happened in the church age. But folks, we're pressing into the kingdom age. But, the Lord is saying to us, I believe, in order to walk in that level where it's not just some occasional thing that you're blessed with and wow, but that becomes normal to us, we have to be mature. We have to be fathers. We have to, what Paul says, when I was a child, uh, you know, I messed about with toys and did childish things. When I became a man, I put those things away. And maybe every person here, including myself, has things we need to put away that are immature. Because we can't take those things into this dimension of living which we would call the kingdom age. You know, I remember we spoke a lot about uh, moves of God back then, particularly what they called Toronto back in the 90s. Thinking about that on the way in actually. And people always, you know, on the floor, rolling around the ground in trances. 
But nothing ever changed in their lives for a lot of those folks. And the Lord said to me one time, they're just looking for a Holy Ghost tummy tickle. Because they're there every week. And if they didn't get knocked out by the power slain in the spirit, they were disappointed. But you know, that's not maturity. Maturity is being able to stand and receive as much power as God pours on you because your spirit man is that strong. And you then become a conduit for others to bless others. So we're talking about fatherhood. We're talking about maturity. Being the father you are meant to be, or the mature saint, the remnant saint you're meant to be to your nation. And that means you'll see sons and daughters come to you. Let's turn to Isaiah chapter 60. Because Isaiah 60 is the chapter that is the dimension, the paradigm that we're talking about walking in. We know it well, our eyes shine, your lights come, the glory is uh, risen upon you. It's talking about this time in our generation. Bill Johnson speaks about this a lot. Other men of God uh, have had the same revelation that, and in fact, Ian Clayton says that this is a message for Scotland. That the Scots are going to walk in this, perhaps more than any others, because is, is, this is God's message for us as Scots folks. Amen? Amen. And look at what it says. Look at verse, uh, we, we could read it all, but I don't want to preach Isaiah 60 tonight as my main thing, but I have to refer to it. It says, lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together, they come to you. Your son shall come from afar and your daughter shall be nursed at your side. Being a father to your nation means you'll see sons and daughters come to you. Because fathers see children, don't they? You're not a father unless you've got children. Now again, I'm saying, I'll emphasize, I'm not just talking in the natural. I'm using a natural principle to demonstrate a spiritual truth. Which is that God is saying to us, to be a mature saint means you will have children that you pray through yourself and invest yourselves in to bring them to maturity, to make them fathers and mothers in the nation. And look what it says here as well, in, in further down in Isaiah 60, in verse 10. It says, The sons of foreigners shall build up your walls. The sons of strangers or foreigners will build up your walls. And their kings, their leaders, their community leaders shall minister to you. So even strangers and enemies will respond to this fathering dynamic and anointing and empowering that God is going to put on you. You see, here's the other thing. People say, oh, 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 what about all these Muslims in the land? They are here for a nefarious purpose. Well, they may be, but God's saying they're going to be ministering to you. Don't worry about them. They're going, they're going to build up your walls. Even their kings are going to come and minister to you. In other words, they're going to serve you because they'll see something in you and on you that will not just impress them, but will put the fear of the Lord literally upon them. And they'll say, these folks have the goods. They have the real deal. We have dead religion but they have a living God, a living reality. And I believe remnant saints will walk in this. Even strangers and enemies will respond to the fa father dynamic that God will put in their lives. Verse uh, 
uh, it says here, verse 14, The sons of those who afflicted you shall come bowing to you. All those who despised you shall fall prostrate at the soles of your feet and say, You are the city of God. You're the Zion. Now, it says in Revelation that the synagogue of Satan will do the same thing. So what, what he's saying is, is that your enemies will come bowing at your feet because the anointing, the empowering, the glory, all of it will be on you so strong, so thick. But again, this is for mature saints, folks. So it means that we need to have the slack jerked out of us. Does that make sense? No more playing games. Now, I'm not saying anyone here is playing games. I'm just saying that's the general message of the Spirit of God to us. And if it's not to the remnant, who else is it to? Listen, I hate to say this, but folks that are not remnant saints, they've already blown it, friends. That's, that's, that's the tough truth. They've already blown it. So, and that in itself, just because right up to see, wait a minute. But listen, the fear of the Lord that comes upon us will keep us clean. Okay, and keep us free of compromise. But anyway. Now, being a father to your nation, when we're talking about father and nations, being mature in the Lord, subdues hostility and inspires trust and confidence in people who are not normally aligned with you. Some of those folks out there that are pushing the Antichrist agenda are going to repent of that because they will see what's on us and what we're carrying in the Lord and they'll say, I want that rather than following Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates and all these characters. They're not all going to repent. They're not all going to be able to repent. But some of them will. I believe that, do you? Because of this, these people will help you and serve you. And even if they do it just under the sheer terror of the Lord, well, they're still going to have to do it, aren't they? Paul said, we don't have many fathers. You have not many fathers. You've got 10,000 instructors. You've got 10,000 YouTube channels that you watch. 10,000 people putting uh, information and doctrine and teaching into your life. And that's great. I praise God. I think the greatest invention of the 21st century is YouTube. I do. Just like back, I remember uh, some Christians saying, leaders saying back in the 80s, 90s, the greatest invention of the 20th century was cassette tapes. Because you didn't have to go to a meeting to hear a man of God. But you know, you could, I could go home tonight and hear the best, most anointed teaching. And I just, I could put it on loop. Well, I don't know, you could put YouTube and look, But I could hear it again and again. Amen? And that's wonderful. Paul says you've got 10,000 instructors. But very few fathers. And the remnant saints of God should not be looking for instruction. They should be looking for fathering leaders. Amen? Because fathers care about you. Instructors just have ministries and products to sell and a message to give, but they don't necessarily have you at heart. I'm not knocking ministries. There's wonderful ministries out there, like I just said. 
But we need to have that discernment and discretion that we understand the difference between people who God has called to father us into uh, this kingdom age and people who just have, as I said, uh, books to sell and so on. All right. With 10,000 instructors but very few fathers, this is because men seek prestige. People want titles, offices, and other things that bring renown. Okay? Uh, we see that with some leaders. They've got sharp elbows. They jostle their way into positions of power and prominence. But you see, true fathers don't seek renown. True fathers don't want a medal for fathering their children. And see, my mothers, am I right? Mothers are not looking for plaudits and so on because what matters to them is their children seeking to have others honour you is immaturity fathers know that their responsibility is not to pursue prestige but to raise fathers or, or let's put it another way mature saints know their responsibility is not to have prominence or seek that but to raise other mature saints the Bible says the fivefold ministry, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher, is not to build ministries for themselves, but it's to teach the saints how to be ministers. So in other words, to make themselves redundant. True leaders will make themselves redundant because they will teach those that follow them or sit under their ministry. They will teach them to fend for themselves, and to also raise others. A lot of, a lot of leaders, and this, I, I, I lament this, I see it, a lot of leaders in the body of Christ like to keep their people as followers. Does that make sense? That always dependent on them, all, you know, oh, these are my people, these are my, this is my tribe, that's great, but when, when they, they don't want to take the folks through into a place of maturity. And everyone we're talking about with this is maturity. I believe God is calling for this um, all over earth right now and saying, don't stay immature. And, and you know who the message is, is the most to? Those who are quite mature, not just immature saints. But God is saying to us that keep going higher, keep going deeper. Every single Christian, even those who think they've arrived. So our responsibility is to mature and also bring others through to maturity. Authentic fathering is not about perpetuating childhood in one's sons and daughters, but in preparing them to be parents. It's a horrible thing to see. I'm thinking of people I know right now, people I know very well, that... They, they seem to have a vested interest in keeping their children dependent on them, even well into adulthood. Yeah? But a true parent will bring, will raise their children not to be perpetual children, but to be parents themselves. <laughs> Amen? This is, this is so important because we're not going to walk in what God wants us to walk in until we grasp these truths. 
So Father of Nations is not just, oh well that's, that's, for the, the, that's for ministers, that's for reverends, that's for pastors. No, it's for every single believer. And until it becomes the responsibility for every single believer, we're not going to walk in what we want to walk in. And let, let, me, let me put it, be more pointed about it, we're not going to see the collapse of Antichrist powers until we all commit to being responsible, mature fathers and mothers to our nations. Uh, maturity is always the goal, of course, but we, we don't just see it as an end point. We begin from maturity and end there. It's a circular thing because it is eternal. Jesus is both Alpha and Omega. See, if, if you have this mindset that, oh, well, it's going to take me 40, 50 years to become a mature Christian, watch me near, I discovered this. Uh, and it still blows my mind. If you've ever read Watchman Nee, The Spiritual Man is the most deep spiritual book you could probably ever read. It's, it's heavy. It's wonderful, but it's real heavy. And, and I always, and he wrote loads of books. I used to read them as a young Christian, devoured them. And I, I loved The Spiritual Man. I read it when I was just a teenager. And I, I loved it because I understood it. And, you know, that way you think, oh, yes, I'm quite spiritual. I understand and I always thought, well, all these books that Watchman Nee wrote, he must have written this one last because it's the heaviest of all. Then I discovered Watchman Nee wrote The Spiritual Man when he was only about a couple of years saved. And this is the work of a very mature saint. And that's what I've been saying. Maturity is not about age or about the length of time you've been a Christian. It's about hunger and it's about revelation. That's what it's about. If you're hungry to know God, you can know God more in four weeks than, than people who have been saved 60, 70 years. And know more about God and know Him more intimately, like, like Watchman Nee. And if you ever get a chance to get a copy of that book, get it, The Spiritual Man. It, it's wonderful. But the point is this, is the maturity is not about the process of time or the product of time. We're already mature in our inner man it's the inner man we need to be and watch when he wrote a lot about that releasing the spirit releasing the inner man because it's the inner man that commands uh, everything in this world including demons it's the inner man that has dominion and authority and again john lake was big on that it's the inner man guys that, that we look to the generals the john lakes the wigglesworth the george jeffries they walked in dominion because their inner man was released. So we begin at the tellius point. That's the key thing. This is, a, this is the, the secret of this. You don't see how I might get there one day, decades from now. You begin from there. Dare I say it, you assume it. That's just the best way I can put it to you. You assume you're at the tellius point. Because you really, if you're striving to get to maturity, you will never arrive because you've locked yourself into the temporal realm, where it's a process of time, product of time. You need to begin from eternal, where you're already perfect to mature. And that's why it says in 1 John chapter 4, verse 17, as he is, so are we. Not so are we going to be. So are we. We are as he is. And say that to yourself a thousand times a day 
till it clicks into your spirit. As he is, so am I in this world. It sounds presumptuous, prideful even maybe when you first start saying it. But that's what he says. So you're never going to be in the wrong side of this when you say what he says. Keep saying it. Uh, it's the shortcut to maturity. I want to tell you that right now. That's why the standard never slips. You're not a temporal being, you're an eternal being operating in a temporal dimension. Let's just say it did take you 40 years to become a mature saint. Well, by the time you arrive there, that's what you'll be anyway in eternity. Do you understand? We don't go from where we are now. We don't think, oh, I'm immature. I don't know much about the Lord. I don't, you know, I don't know my Bible or all that stuff or, I'm not worthy, I'm a worm, all that stuff. We, don't, we say what he says about us. Can keep saying it? Knowing our identity in him. It's not an identity that we will attain. It's an identity we've been bestowed. Does that make sense? It's not something, oh well, I, I, if I strive, if I read 20 chapters a day instead of my normal five, if I pray, instead of five minutes, I'll pray 15 minutes, and that'll make me a... No, no, no. That, these things will help, but they won't make you anything. It's not something that you attain to, it's something that's been handed to you. Your Prince William isn't getting up every day and saying, what can I do today to make myself a prince? He's a prince because he was born a prince. You and I were born like him, born again, new creations, and we are as he is, but we are in this world, and he is in the glory. And we are the bridge to that, we are the portal to that. So we begin, you must be mature as your heavenly father is. This is not a suggestion. Jesus says, be ye perfect, be ye mature as your father in heaven is perfect. God's patience with us as we work this out on the earth actually demonstrates his perfection. He's patient with us until it clicks who we really are. And I'm going to tell you the saddest thing, I think in all of Christendom, is that people live their lives 40, 50, 60, 70 years as a Christian. And they go to church, they work hard in church, they, they serve the Lord, they're good, solid, Christian people, but they never, ever get to a place where they know who they are in Christ. That's the saddest thing I think it's possible to be. And I'm going to say this to you. That's the reason why a lot of them pulled up their sleeves. Because they didn't know who they were. And it, that's, it, it becomes a life or death thing when it gets to that level. Now, here's another thing. Fathers have to wait. Fathers need to get used to waiting. That's, that's a tough thing for a father. When again I'm talking about fathers, I mean how the scripture speaks about fathers as in mature saints. Think about the father in the parable of the prodigal son. He had to wait for his boy to come to his senses, didn't he? There wasn't a lot he could do. The boy was out there having a, a great time to begin with, a not so great time to end with, sowing his wild oats. Fathers wait. They don't go chasing after wayward sons. 
A father's role is to be in the home waiting if that is what is called for. And that's talking about patience. And patience and endurance is a big part of maturity. There are things that we would like to see happen in our lives. There are things we'd like to see happen in the earth. You know, we would love to stand up here on the platform or go home and shuck a window, say a few decrees. Then tomorrow morning, Boris has resigned and Pastor Bill McMurdo is the new Prime Minister. And, you know, and the glory of God has come down and there are angels <coughs> visible at the top of Big Ben. And we would love all that, wouldn't we? Amen. Because we want instant. But we have to be patient. We have to understand that it takes time for the natural to catch up with the eternal or with the spiritual. And we have to understand that there are opposing forces and we don't, we factor that in, but we don't focus on them because we don't want to be sucked into a spiritual warfare paradigm where many of us, we cut our teeth in it and it was great at the time and it matured us and helped us, but, but God is calling us to move from the sword now to the scepter because when you join the army, you're handed a rifle, you get your hair cut and you run up and down hills for miles and miles and miles because you're in boot camp. And then when you've went through that sufficiently, they, they shove you out on the battlefield and you have to learn how to fight it like a soldier. But if you're 45, 55 years old and you're still in the trenches, there's something wrong. Because they don't give mature soldiers rifles, they give them field marshal batons. And they say to them, you're more valuable here in HQ because you've, you're a seasoned warrior, but we don't need you putting your backside on the line out there and getting it shot off because you know so much now, you've experienced so much now, you've matured into somebody who can command troops, not somebody who is a troop or a soldier. You need to be a field marshal now, or you need to be, a, you know, you get through the ranks, that's what, they, what goes through the ranks. You become a sergeant and a captain and whatever, major. <clears throat> Lieutenant or whatever it is, it's lieutenant in the Navy, I don't know. But you understand, there comes a point where you say, you're not walking about with your Tommy gun anymore. You have a field marshal's baton. And, and so you're not wielding the sword, you're wielding a scepter. You can do, you know, Jesus can do more just lifting his scepter in the throne room than 100,000 angels can do. Because he directs those 100,000 angels anyway. So we need to understand that's what God's saying to us. It's maturity. Fathers often have to wait for their children to deal with their father wounds. One of the things about leadership is that you want uh, everybody in your church or your ministry to be perfect. Middle class, you know, <laughs> three cars, wonderful job, no issues, no baggage. Am, am I right? But that's not who God sends in. Because that's not what's out there anymore. <laughs> We're not a hipster church. Amen. Do you know, I, I could tell you stories that would make you laugh about that church. You know, uh, because I actually, they, 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 they used these premises for a while. A short while. And... Uh, 
And I, I was kidding some of our uh, directors on. I said, they, they, one of the conditions is they want this coffee machine. You know, and we have to, we've all to be trained as baristas. I was winding, winding them up. But they took it serious because... But then it turns out, not long after I said this, as a jest, they said, oh, we're going to get these coffee machines out. <laughs> anyway, that's... But that's what I'm saying, is that leaders want this perfect wee world, don't they? And people don't come in late, and they don't, they don't have any issues, they don't need prayer, they don't need anything. They just come in, sit nicely. But that's not what's out there, and that's not who God's sending in. He's sending in people who messed up lives. And listen, we've all had messed up lives. Amen? It's not just, oh, well, you know, some of us, some of us haven't. But that's what I'm saying, is that a lot of that stuff is, is father wounds that we have to deal with. Not all father wounds are evil, by the way. They're not all demonic, they're not all evil. They're just wounds that sometimes become much worse by picking at them. Sometimes it's just insensitivity from fathers that you, they, they may, an off-the-cuff remark that a sensitive child can, can hear and it becomes a wound and the wound festers and then 20 years later they, they, it's still shown up in their lives. And of course, demons can attach to that. But not all father wounds are evil. And the Lord understands this. That's why we are commanded to honour our father and mother. A big part of maturity is honouring your father and mother. Now, he didn't say respect. Respect is not commanded and neither is love. He didn't say you must love your mum and dad. You must respect them. He said you must honour them. You see, respect is earned, but honour is in your gift. The reason we honour people that are sometimes not deserving of any respect or love is because honour keeps us right and also gives us access to minister to people. And this is a big part of it. If your parents were scumbags. And, and let's face it, you know, when you're in ministry, you, you hear stuff, and there are many parents have been scumbags to their children. But it's still the minister's job, the mature saint's job, the father's job to teach people honour your father and mother. Because some parents are so bad you can't respect them or love them. We're coming to an end of this tonight. Respect has to be earned, but honour is in our gift. We honour even where we cannot respect because honour is godlike. We're commanded to honour all men. And I'm going to tell you something right now. God honours the biggest, most evil wretch that is possible to imagine because if that man cries out to God, God will honour his cry. And some of us have been there, haven't we? You know, there's a king in the Bible Israel was split into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom of house of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah. And the northern kings, every one of them, the Bible says, they did wicked or evil in the sight of the Lord. They were all, they were all scum, truthfully. They were all wicked kings. The southern kingdom of Judah, where the throne of David was, they had a kind of pick and mix a wee bit because some of the kings were good 
and some of them weren't, including Solomon himself, the, the summation of his life as Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord. And a lot of the stuff we encounter today in the occult probably came through Solomon going way beyond his remit, way beyond the boundaries. But the most evil king of all was a king of Judah, and he was called Manasseh. And he did horrible things, horrible, horrible things. And he sat on the throne of David. But the Bible, I think it's in Kings, it tells us all this. But in Chronicles, it goes further and tells us at the end of his life, he repented. His heart softened towards the Lord. And he cried out for mercy. Probably the most wicked king, possibly, that ever lived. Certainly in biblical terms of, of Israel and Judah. And God honored that. In the last days, or the last few years, I think it was, of his reign, the, the, the Lord turned the judgment because the man's heart softened. You see, it's so important to honour because when we honour even the worst of people, we have access to them to, to reach in and touch their hearts. So never ever give it just, I can't honour him. The worst of all, God will honour because he created them. And it's that that we honour, the image of God in them. So, we're commanded to honour all men. Honouring people, folks, and that's why it's important, is maturity and perfection. Because if God does it, then we need to do it because it's, it's God-like. And as he is, so are we. So honouring people is maturity and perfection. We're commanded to honour all men. And honouring your parents shows that you've stepped out of the emotional and sentimental and you hurt me realm. And that, that listen, that's not belittling that. But we've stepped out of that into maturity. And it means you can now father others. If you've got father wounds, you can't father. Effectively. You become an adult when you choose to honour your father and mother. And this is where the, the natural and, if you like, the spiritual intersect. Because that, that's why it's, it's a commandment of God. And it says when you do it, then you'll have long life. Because it's life to honour your father and mother. And this is part of this process of becoming a mature Christian and a, a father or a mother to your nation. It comes with the promise of living well and living long. When you honour your parents, you affirm that you have a divine destiny and purpose in the earth and long life. Let me just finish these last few notes and then we'll leave it there because it's taking us into another section. Honouring all people is maturity. Fathers must raise sons to honour others and demonstrate a life of honour. No, you know, you don't want to raise your children to disrespect and dishonour uh, people of a certain skin colour or a certain creed, or, you understand? Or, or a class, or oh, they're, they're lower class, don't have anything to do with them, son. That's wrong. We honour all men and we teach others to honour. Teach our children. Teach those that we lead. It is maturity to honour even those who are not honourable. We don't need to respect those who live wicked, unpredictive, sorry, unproductive lives, but we honour them. Why? Because that is in our gift. As we honour them, sometimes we raise them out of the state that they're in, the condition that they're in. Honour is about who we are and what we represent, not what other people do. Authentic fathers carry massive honour in their personages and bearing. Maturity is understanding that you cannot influence where you do not show honour. And the remnant of God must have access to every heart of life on planet earth 
to touch it and minister to it and bring the kingdom age to it. Personal honour is everything. When you lose honour, you do incalculable damage to yourself. The book of Proverbs is full of wisdom to help you live a life of honour and integrity. Fathers must exemplify honour. People expect honour from fathers. A dishonourable man cannot function as a good father. Let's just pray for a minute to respond to, to this. Lord, we just we want to be mature. We want to be fathers and mothers to our generation, to our city, to our communities, to the nation, Lord, to Scotland, to Britain, to the nations. We want to be mature saints because we recognise, Lord, that that is the place we must be to position so that you can, through us, bring the kingdom age to this planet. So that through us you can pull down wicked powers. So that through us you can transform society and transform the seven mountains of culture and all the other things, Lord, that drive culture and society. So I pray for every person in this room tonight that we will make a commitment to being fathers and mothers, taking responsibility, saying it's no longer the responsibility of prime ministers and politicians or pastors or leaders. It's my responsibility. Let every heart here take that responsibility and respond in that manner, we pray tonight, that we would be a mature people. We would be fathers and mothers to Scotland, to Britain, to the United Kingdom, to the British Islands, and among the nations. In Jesus' name we ask it, Father. Amen. Amen. I'm enjoying this speaking about father and nations.